Welcome to this week's Rashi Shear, brought to you from the Bet Midrash of Mizrahi in Melbourne, Australia. Okay, good evening. So we continue the story of Yaakov and the spotted and speckled sheep. And I want to say the next few Pesukim are quite difficult in the sense of to work out what's going on in the story of Yaakov and the sheep. Um, what exactly he was doing and how he was so successful. Uh, and Rashi, as far as I can see, his, his main agenda is to simply explain what's going on. And I think it's probably less appropriate in these few psukim for long drushes on what Rashi might or might not be saying. Actually, there is much less said in, in the Maforche Rashi on, on these Rashi. So but there's not a lot to say. So we're going to get through them and, and there won't be such a great deal. Good evening, Benji. You join us. Uh, in the calendar form, uh, sorry, in the Zoom form. Nice to see you. Thank you. Sorry if I'm late. Okay. Um, no, we're just starting. So we're on to Pasuk Lamad Zion. So the story so far is that uh, Lavan said to Yaakov, what do you want is your wages? And Yaakov said, as Rashi explained, remove all the speckled and spotted sheep, spots being little spots, patches being bigger spots, and also the Akudim sort of got thrown into the mix. We'll talk about that later. And you take all away today, all the speckled etc. ones, speckled and spotted ones. And then from now on, any sheep or goats that are born with these various types of discoloration, they belong to me. They'll be mine. And the ones that don't have any discoloration will be yours. And that's the deal. And uh, Lavan thinks that's a good deal. And now in Lamad Zion onwards, we see how Yaakov went about ensuring that lots of sheep were born that belonged to him. And by the way, we don't know where he got this idea from. A little bit later, not tonight, but at least uh, next week or the week after, we'll see that Yaakov had had a dream uh, about sheep and the Malachim were, telling, were giving him a message uh, uh, in the dream. And maybe that relates to the techniques he was using now although it's not, it's not clear and the chronology is a little bit problematic. By the way, I should say this is a special week of the year. This is a special shear because, why is that? The Parsha and the shear are, so, the and the are one. It only happens just over once a year. Um, and this is the occasion. So uh, the, we should be familiar from our learning of the Parsha with this incident. So let's see what Yaakov did in Pazik Lamad Zayn. V'yakachlo Yaakov, makal livne. Lach, Yaakov took for himself, Makala, stick, Livner. So Rashi will tell us that it means a type of tree. And Lach does not mean a type of tree, but rather it means moist. Veluz, that's another type of tree. Ve'aramon, that's another type of tree. Ve'yepatzel bahem, and he peeled them. Petzilot, in strips. Levanot, that were white. Machsof halavan. Bear, laying bare the white, Asher al hamakalot, which is on the sticks. So Rashi will tell us a bit more about what's going on here. So Lavan, sorry, Yaakov takes some sticks and he does something with them. Says Rashi, Makal Livner, eats who? Ushamo Livner. It's a tree and its name is Livner. Kamadatema, like we see in Hoshea Perik Dalat, Pasuk Yud Gimel, Tachat. Alon the Livner, under the Alon, which is an oak tree, the Livner, which we can see from the context there in Hosher, is another type of tree. Now, why is Rashi telling you it's a type of tree? Well, two, two answers. He's telling you what the word means, but he's also, I think, telling you what the word doesn't mean. Don't think Livner means Lavan, means white. It doesn't mean the whiteness of the tree. It's a tree that was called Livner. Um, and then he says, ani, and I say, who shakorin trembla balaz. But it's what people call trembla, which we call a trembling poplar. I don't know much about trees, but it's a trembling poplar. Shahu lavan, which is white. Now it's important we, we to understand, um, Rashi will make clear in a moment, that it's not the tree is not white to start with. It's when you peel it away, you get white bits where you have peeled. And that is machsof uh, halavan. It's revealing or laying bare the whiteness once you've done the peeling. It's interesting 
that uh, Rashi here quoted a Pasuk in Hosea as a, another occurrence of the word Livna. And Rashi there in Hosea says Livna eats shaklipat lavana. It's a tree where the peelings are white, as if you peel off some bark and the, what you have in your hand, what you peeled away is white. Here, he says, and he's gonna be clear about this in a moment, that when you peel away, what's left underneath the bark is white. Uh, and it's interesting, but he doesn't quite say exactly the same thing in the two places. Um, I'm not sure how we can expound that further to, to satisfy that. But he says something slightly different in the two places. Okay, then he says on the word lach, kashahu ratuf, when it is damp or wet or moist. Now, um, you might think that lach is another type of tree, because if you look at the Pasuk, so you could misread that as saying lach is another type of tree. It might be a word that we're familiar with, meaning moist, but maybe it's another type of tree. So Rashi makes clear it's not another type of tree. It's ratuv, it means moist. Then luz, says Rashi, and furthermore, he took a stick of luz. And what is luz? It's a tree which grows little um, nuts, um, which is called kulda in Old French, and we call it hazel. Now, what does Rashi mean at the beginning? Luz, the old lakach makal luz. So just as I said, you might think lach is another type of tree. Once we've understood that lach is an adjective, the phrase lach the luz, you might think luz is also an adjective. You might think it's taking a livner. What type of livner? Lach the luz. You could read it as that if you didn't know what luz meant. So number one, or number two, he's telling you that luz is a tree and it's actually a coldai in French, which we call hazel. But number one, he has to stress old lakach makal luz to make very clear that luz is another type of wood, another type of stick, and is not another adjective that goes with lach, because otherwise you could have read it like that. It occurs to me, by the way, that at the beginning of the parsha, uh, Yaakov has a dream and he wakes up and he calls the place Beit El, but what was it called originally? It was called Luz. I don't know if there's any possible connection of it. I think, I suspect it's uh, a coincidence. There's a tree called Luz, there's a place called Luz, but it, it's interesting. I'm, I'm sure somebody has got something to say about he goes from Luz to Luz. The Aramon, and another thing called Aramon, and Rashi here has to tell us what the Aramon refers to, Kashantir uh, Balaz, which we call chestnut. Um, I wondered why, why the word chestnut comes from. What's it got to do with chests or nut? But I didn't have time to look at that. That's for somebody who wants to. But Aramon um, is translated, at least uh, in the editions I saw, as chestnut. So Rashi has told us what all these strange word means. Strange words mean. What is live now? What is lose? What is Aramon? Because we need to understand the words. Then, um, the Yipatzel Bahen Pitzalot, and Rashi on the word Pitzalot says, Klufim, Klufim, Shahaya Oseha Menumar. He peelings and peelings that it became spotted. He made it spotted. In other words, he's telling you exactly the process. It wasn't that he peeled a strip from the top to the bottom, which would leave a stripe, but he peeled bits here and bits there to make it spotted. And now we understand what's going on here because the spotted stick is going to encourage spotted sheep somehow. But uh, that, that Rashi, means he made it spotted rather than he made it striped. And then on the word, Again, I translated the word, but imagine we didn't know what the word machsof means, because it's not a common word. So Rashi tells us by machsof halavan means gilui lavan, sorry, loven shal makel, revealing the whiteness of the um, stick. So when you peel away some of the bark, it reveals the whiteness behind it. Now, at this point, what Rashi's just done is really explaining what Machsof Halavan means. And now, for the rest of the line, 
he's explaining what's going on, what, what is Yaakov doing. When he peels it, it is, it is seen and revealed the whiteness of it in the place where it's peeled. So really it looks like Rashi's repeating himself, but again, what I'm saying is the first part, Gilui Loven Shol Makel, is the translation or the exposition of the words Machsof Halavan. And then Rashi's telling you, giving you a, a description of what's going on. Uh, what do those two words imply in terms of the narrative? And what they imply is when he peeled it, it was seen and revealed its whiteness in the place of the peeling. Um, and again, I just what I was saying before about Rashi's comment about the word livne in Hoshea, a tree where the peeling is white does seem to not be in the, exactly the same derech as what Rashi's saying here which is when you peel away the bark, what's left is white. Okay, so Yaakov takes these sticks and Pasuk Lamed Chet, et hamakalot asher pitzel, and he stood, Rashi's gonna give a little nuance on that if you like, the sticks in which he had peeled, berahatim, in the rahatim, I'll leave Rashi to explain what that is, bishiktot hamayim, um, in the drinking places of the water, Asher Tovana Hadson Lishtot, where the flocks come to drink, Lenocha Hadson, opposite the flock, Veyechamna Boraan, sorry, Beboan Lishtot, and they warmed up when they came to drink. So he's peeled the sticks, and now he sticks the spit, the sticks, sticks the sticks, um, in a place in the Rahatim where they're coming to drink and they have the effect of the sheep as they, uh, as they come to drink and there are the sticks, and the sheep get warm. So Rashi is going to tell us again what's going on. First, Rashi has something to say on the Yatseg. He says, Targumu v'da'itz. The Targum of the Yatseg is da'itz. And what is da'itz? Loshan tachiva v'ne'itzahu so before I translate, the word Vayatseg is, I wouldn't say it's so uncommon, but Rashi wants to focus on precisely what it means here. And in order to show you what it means here, he brings the Targum and he understands the Targum's translation of the Da'itz. Rashi knows what the Da'itz implies and shows us what the Da'itz implies. And that we then take back and we understand then what Vayatseg is. So what is da'itz? It's an expression of tachiva v'na'itza, pushing something in and sticking something in, in Aramaic language. The harbe yesh Talmud, And there are many examples in the Talmud. Now, why is Rashi quoting the Talmud rather than the Tanakh? Answer, because he's explaining the Aramaic. So his whole focus, like number one, um, is translated as the da'itz. From now on, Rashi's gonna tell you what the da'itz means in Aramaic. And we will understand that's what Bayatseg means in this passage. So how do I show what that it means in Aramaic? I look in the Aramaic literature, i.e. in the Gemara. So he says, There are many examples of Da'its in the Talmud. Da'tsa sticking in and taking out. That's one example. midi, sticking something in. Now, he's given one example, Da'tsa and then midi. But there's a problem because um, in both cases, it not it looked at the, the verb that in the two examples he's quoted has the root dalad sadi. And what word is used in our Targum in this case? Dalad ayin sadi. So I told you what Rush is going to do. He's going to say, Bayatseg is da'itz in Aramaic. And I'll tell you what da'itz is because I can show you in the Gemara what da'itz means. It means sticking in. But he hasn't. What he's shown us in the Gemara is what Dalad Sadi means. So then he says, Datsa Kamo Da'atsa. Dalad Sadi is the same as Dalad Ayin Sadi, Eilashamakatse et Loshanov. But it's abbreviated the expression by missing out a letter and a silent letter at that. So it's rather 
tortuous to get to the point that Rashi's got to. Uh, but again, we have the word vayatseg. What does vayatseg mean? Well, it's, it's, it, the Targum says it's da'itz. What does da'itz mean? Ah, da'itz means sticking in. And I can show you in the Gemara, it means sticking in. I'll bring you two examples. But both of them are the word daladzadi. But daladzadi is the same as daladayinzadi. So what is vayatseg? It doesn't just mean standing. It doesn't mean that, that um, Yaakov took the sticks and just stood them against the wall without uh, making them fixed, but rather he stuck them into the ground. That's what Rashi wants to tell us. He stuck them into the ground, presumably so they wouldn't fall over. So they would be very, they'd be there and they'd be strong and they'd be there to achieve whatever effect they are going to achieve. The next thing Rashi does is tell us what Rahatim are. Again, I assume it's a rare word that Rashi needs to explain. And he says, Bumurutsat Hamayim the streams of water, the pools that are made in the ground, to give water there to the flock. So they are artificial, they are man-made um, gatherings of water. Um, it also says streams of water. Um, streams and pools are not quite the same thing, but presumably the streams sort of go through the pools to keep the, the pools um, uh, with a quantity of water, and that's where the sheep come to drink. And that's what Rahatim, Ibrahatim is. It's the pools, or if it's like it, it's the structure which is built where the sheep will come and on a regular basis to drink their water. Uh, Rashi doesn't say this, but it's interesting that the root of Rahatim is Resh Peitet, which is the Aramaic for roots to run. Uh, when someone runs in, the, in Aramaic, it's rahat. And he translates rahatim as bimrutsot hamayim, with the root ruts again. So maybe there's a, a connection there, but Rashi doesn't spell it out. So again, we now know that Yaakov takes these sticks, which he's specially prepared. He sticks them in the ground deliberately, and he sticks them in front of the rahatim, which is where they're going to come, the sheep are going to come to drink says Rashi on the words, asher tovana, where they come, or in the full version is asher tovana hatson, where the flock comes to drink. And the words asher tovana, berahatim asher tovana hatson lishtot, in the water pools, where the flock come to drink, sham hitzig hamaklot, there he stuck the sticks, lenocha hatson. Uh, opposite or in front of the flock. What has Rashi done there? Um, what Rashi has done there is telling us how to parse the verse. If you go back to the verse, Now, you might think that Asher Tovana Hatson Lishtot is giving you more information about the Rahatim. In other words, you might read it as he stuck the sticks, which he had peeled, in the water pools. And what, which water pools? The water pools where the flock come. And that, that, well, that's not actually wrong, but the way Rashi puts it, that's not the focus of Asher Tovona Hatson. And Rashi shows you by going back to Sham Hitzig Hamakalot. There he placed the sticks. That the whole bit about Asher Tovona Hatson is in relation to placing the sticks. It's not just modifying Rahatim. It's not he placed the sticks in the in, in sorry in the pools. Which pools? The pools where the um, sheep come. It's rather he placed the sticks. The sticks. Where did he place the sticks in the pools where the sheep come? So it's uh, the where the sheep come is really modifying where he placed the sticks rather than where the pools were. And that's the force of these words of Rashi. Asher tovana, berahatim asher tovana hatston lishtot, shom hitzig hamakalot lishnodonocha hatson. In those pools, which pools? The pools where the flocks come, that's where he stuck the sticks. So by Rashi relating the rahatim asher tovana hatson back to shom hitzig hamakalot, he's showing you the focus is, where did he choose to stick the sticks? where they will come to drink. That's the whole point.
He stuck the sticks in the place where they will come to drink. Now, what happens when they came to drink? They got hot when they came to drink. Now, Rashi, I think, has to do at least two things. The minor one is, why do you get hot when you drink? What normally happens when you drink? You cool down. So it's, it's funny. But more to the point, and I think the bigger mystery that Rashi needs to solve is what's going on? Because what's going to happen is these sheep are going to produce little sheep. And the little sheep are going to be predominantly discolored. That's why they belong to Yaakov. However, there's no reference explicitly in the Pasuk to the um, conjunction of the sheep with the male sheep, with the rams, which is going to produce the baby sheep. It's not actually mentioned in the text at all. So Rashi has to fill in what exactly is the plan. So Rashi says, they heated. Says Rashi, the animal sees the sticks, and it jumps back, backwards, and the male sheep, the ram, which is like waiting there, um, impregnates or fertilizes the sheep. So literally the sheep go backwards and there's the ram and therefore the fertilization takes place. And they bear sheep, lambs, like it, not like the ram, but like the sticks. So the sticks are in front of them. And the sticks they have in mind, in sight, at the moment of fertilization. And therefore, the result is a lamb that looks like the stick. The Sephorno says, um, um, if you're looking, if you're thinking about a certain image at the time of conception, that will generally have an effect on the what is born that will resemble the image that one had in mind, says the Sforna. I don't know if there's any medical evidence for that, looking at our doctor. Not, not that we know of. Okay, but not yet, not yet. But Rashi explains, but that's what's going on here. So the, at the moment of fertilization, at the moment of conception, the sheep are looking at the sticks. That's why they're in front of where they come to drink. So they're looking at them and they have them in mind and they're shocked by them. That's why they jump backwards. So they have that in their minds at the moment of conception. And therefore um, the, uh, baby sheep that are born resemble the sticks that were in their mind at the time of conception. So what Rashi has done is told us where the lambs come from because the pasuk doesn't. And Rashi has also explained what's the point of the sticks because again the pasuk doesn't. Uh, and uh, a relatively minor point, Rashi's told us that vayachamna um, uh, means they became hot in the sense of, as we would say about an animal, they're on heat. Um, ready to conceive doesn't mean that the, the, the water warmed them up because that doesn't make sense. And then Rashi gives another explanation, um, which seems at, at first glance a little bit more midrashic, a bit more supernatural, but uh, maybe it's not so far-fetched from the simple shot after all. He says, Rabbi Hoshaya Omer, Hamayim na'asin zera bimehem. The water became semen in their insides, and they didn't need a male. And that is meant by Dayachamna. So, Rashi, this is Midrash Rabba. It is a Midrash. It sounds a bit um, uh, fantastic in, in the proper sense of the word. Um, it also sounds like the sheep have achieved what... Uh, some people have been striving for throughout the centuries to be able to conceive without males being involved at all, even providing um, any semen. Um, and um, why does Rashi say this? Well, uh, there's two things that I could suggest. Um, number one, it's true that everything that Rashi said in the previous line, Rashi had to interpolate into the words of the puzzle because he didn't say anything about conception. It didn't say anything about jumping backwards. Rashi put all that in for us to explain what's going on. 
Um, so you can say, well, there's no mention of conception and therefore we have to work out how it happened. But you could be a bit more precise. There's no mention of any rams in the story. There's no mention of males uh, being the one to cause the conception. So Rashi could be saying uh, in the name of Rabbi Hoshia that let's look at, let's just take the material that the Pasuk gives us and add in as little as possible. So the Pasuk says, they got heated up and then they gave birth. So maybe we don't need to add anything about more than that. Maybe the heating up is enough to make them conceive. So in some miraculous way, it could be that the shot of the Pasuk is actually closer to the second version that they conceive without the involvement of males at all. And that would be the explanation of Ve'yachamna. The Maharal has an interesting twist on the word Ve'yachamna. He says it is a obscure grammatical form. In fact, it's not really a grammatical form at all um, because they got heated. You can either say that in a masculine form, um, or in the feminine form, and that would be sorry, What do we have here? We have neither masculine or feminine, or better still, we have a bit of both. Um, we have no tough, um, which implies masculine, um, but we have a patach under the chet, under the chet, which implies feminine, and we have the na nunhe on the end, which certainly implies feminine. So says the Maharal, the grammar of this verb is a is a combination of the male, the masculine, and the feminine grammar, and that suggests the Maharal it suggests to Rashi that what was going on was the the female sheep were incorporating both the male aspect and the female aspect at the same time. Hence Rashi's second explanation. And now we move on to Pasuk Lamatet, where it says, and this is what sort of been leading up to, and I think this sort of inspired what Rashi just said, the sheep, the flock got hot or heated up to the sticks, Rashi's going to explain what that means, and they gave birth. Hadson akudim nukudim utalaim. The sorry, the taladna hadson, the taladna. I misread that. The taladna hadson. The so the flock gave birth, and what did they give birth to? Akudim nukudim utalaim. Akudim. Rashi actually hasn't explained yet. We have, because in pasuk lamad hey it said akudim. Um, and it, Rashi didn't explain there what it means, but he will do here, so I won't translate it. Nukadim means spotted, Tulaim means patched, which we've already said is small spots and then big spots. Now, Rashi helps us understand El Hamaklot. says Rashi, El Marot Hamaklot, to the appearance of the sticks. Because without the word Marot, we don't really know what these sticks are doing. The word, the Pasuk says, Yechamu Hadson El Hamaklot. The flock got hot, which we now know means something to do with conception. We got that from the previous Rashi, to the sticks. What was the role of the sticks? Um, I don't want to go into details, but you can imagine all sorts of things that the sticks were doing to help the sheep to conceive. So Rashi says, no, I'll tell you what the sticks were doing. They were just standing there and they had an appearance. And as Rashi's already explained, the appearance was spotted because they'd been partially peeled. So there were white bits, um, which looked like white spots. So El Marot Hamaklot. So Rashi adds the key word to help us understand what the role of the sticks was because the Pasuk leaves it unclear. Now, Akudim, says Rashi, means Mushunim. They were differentiated Bimkom Akidatam at the place of their Akedah. What is Akedah? Binding. We all know that from the way that Yitzchak was bound. And we said um, last time, how was Yitzchak bound? You don't see this in most of the um, paintings, but he was hands and or wrists and ankles tied together. Probably remarkably uncomfortable. Um, why it had to be that way and, and why we called it Akedat Yitzchak, focusing on the Yitzchak rather than Abraham. Um, well, we've missed it now because we've gone for Russia's way over, um, but another time. But uh, the Akeda is the binding of Yitzchak in a particular fashion. And in particular with the wrists and ankles bound together. 
So akudim means mashunim bimkom akedotam. They were differentiated at the place of their binding. And where is the place of the binding? Heim karastale yedehem baraglehem. The ankles of their hands and feet. Hands by feet by uh, animals mean the front legs and feet means the back legs. But they both have ankles. So akudim means they were they were um, they had rings around their ankles of a different color. You might find akudim translated as ring streaked. Um, I think I'll leave it as akudim, meaning where the the point of the akeda is. That's where they were differentiated. Now, um, incidentally, where did these akudim come from? The original deal didn't mention akudim, although we did see it sort of sneak in. Uh, as in, in terms of the, the uh, sheep that, yeah, that Laban removed. Um, at the end of the parasha, quite a few sukim away, Yaakov has his final confrontation with Laban, and he says to Laban, you have changed my wages lots of times. We'll leave Rashi to tell us how many, because um, there's a discussion on that. You've changed my wages lots of times, and Yaakov goes on to say that if you said, if we agreed the... Um, the, 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 you'd give me the spotted sheep, they'd all turn out spotted. If you agreed, you'd give me the akudim, they'd all turn out akudim. So uh, it makes sense to say the reason that now these sheep appear akudim is because during the course of the events, Lavan changed the terms of the deal. And at this point, um, the akudim are going to be given over to Yaakov. So that's why they suddenly appear in the story. Now, it's interesting to note that, as I've, I've mentioned a few times now, Rashi here defines Akudim, and he didn't define it in Pasuk Laman Hay. So one suggestion for why that might be, this is the Dibri David, the task, is because in Pasuk Laman Hay, it was talking about sheep which were already well-existent, uh, and those were the sheep that were moved out of the flock to, so they, they um, are given to Lavan in order to clear them out of Yaakov's flock, and then only the future ones that are born will go to Yaakov. Um, so the Divrei David says maybe they had become Akudim during the course of their life. Um, they were old sheep, or they were grown sheep, and uh, maybe because of the way they were bound or something, I'm not, to me, I was not quite sure what, but maybe they could have just sort of become Akudim. But now we're talking about sheep which are born in the state of Akudim. So it's not because they've become that way because of the way they've been treated, but they're born in this particular way. So says the Divrei David, now Rashi has to tell us what it means in relation to newly born sheep. Um, uh, you can probably hear, I'm, I'm not totally convinced by that explanation, but it does need a question. It's one of those things that Rashi does occasionally. He explains a word, but it's not the first time that word has appeared. So we have to ask why he didn't explain it previously. Um, and then, Pastor, Yes. If I may, sorry, can I, can I ask a question? How Please. did the Gur Arya deal with the word Bayechemu in Pasuk Lamatet there? If you listen to Bayechem, not from Lamatet, it's about the masculine and feminine. Here, wouldn't it assume there are masculines here if the word's Bayechemu? Uh, yes, good point. Okay, um, to be honest, I don't know because I didn't check the Maharal on this Pasuk. Um, but I think, I, I, I think actually his case is even stronger here because the Tzon. The flock is obviously feminine. How do I know they're feminine? Because the very next word, well, after the words Ella Hamaklot, is the Teladna. They gave birth. So the same son which gave birth, and the Teladna is clearly in the feminine form, and it's a very feminine thing. The same son has as uh, the verb at the beginning referring to that son is the Yachamu, which is in the masculine form. So it seems a very clear, if you like, confusion of genders. So the things which really should be feminine here is wholly masculine, which I think fits quite nicely with the way the Maharal explained the Rashi explained the Pasuk previously. Thanks, okay. thank you. Thank you. Pasuk Mem. The sheep Yaakov separated. El Akod, and he put the face of the flock to the Akod, which is the Akudim, which is the ring street ones, Bechol Chum Batson, and all the dark red, we talked about as the other coloration, this coloration which um, goes to Yaakov, Batson, 
Lavan, in the flock of Lavan, Vayashet, Lo Adarim Lavado, and he put, now there's different ways of translating this, but we'll, we'll translate the Lo as his own flock, Lavado, flocks, Lavado, by themselves, Velo Shatam Al Son Lavan, and he did not set them on or with the flock of Lavan. Now, Rashi's got to do something which is quite, uh, what Rashi is doing here, um, I can explain very simply. He's telling us what on earth's going on, because this Pasuk is very obscure. He separated the sheep. Which sheep did he separate from which sheep? And what does it mean? He put the face of the flock. And what does it mean? El Akkod. And what does it mean? Uh, what is going on? So again, I can give that as the single heading to what Rashi is doing. There's quite a few words in Rashi, but they're all answering the question, how do we understand what's going on in the Pasuk? Because it is very, very far from clear. So Rashi says, the Hakasavim, Hifrid Yaakov, the sheep Yaakov separated. What does it mean? Says Rashi, Hanolodim Akudim Nukudim, Hivdil the Hifrish Laatzmo. The ones that were born, Akudim, ringed, Nukudim, spotted, Hivdil, he separated, the Hifrish, which also means he separated, Laatzman, by themselves. And he made flocks or droves is the fancy word by themselves. So that's the first thing. That's Hakavasim, Hakasavim, Ifrid Yaakov. Yaakov separated the sheep. What does it mean he separated the sheep? He took all the ones which were being born as spotted or ringed, which belonged to him. That was the terms of the deal. And he put them in separate flocks. And he led that flock of ringed sheep in front of the flock. Now, Rashi doesn't say the flock of Lavan because he doesn't need to because the passage says. He's got the flock of Lavan and they are going about their business. And then he parades in front of Lavan's flock a whole flock of ringed sheep. Why? Uh, it continues, Upanei Hadson HaHolchim Acharehem Sofot Alehem. Again, this is Rashi explaining the words, V'yetein Pnei Hadson El Akot. What it means is the face of the flock, which we know from the Pasuk is Lavan's flock, which are going behind them, are looking, literally expectantly, towards them. And that's what's meant by he put the face of the flock to the ringed ones. That the face of the flock of Lavan's flock should be towards the flock which Yaakov had created, which was entirely ringed. And similarly, in the flock which was at the front, was all the dark red, i.e. dark red sheep, which he found in the flock of Lavan, which belonged to him. So what's he trying to do? Um, he's trying to make the sheep of Lavan concentrate on what they can see in front of them, which is the discolored sheep, and therefore they will produce offspring which are also discolored. And then Rashi says on the words, Vayashet lo adarim, um, says Kamoshe Parashti, as I have explained. So if we take Lo as for himself, means he did the same to his own flocks. He, um, he did this to Lavan's flock. In Lavan's flock, he made sure it was looking at um, the discolored sheep. And he did the same for his own flock. By the way, his discolored sheep will have offspring of their own. Some will be colored, some will be white, and some will be discolored. The white ones belong to Lavan. Yeah. And the, and the, so, he also did the same for his own flocks to make sure that they, which were all discolored, that's why they were his, but produced discolored offspring as well. So he also, says Rashid, um, arranged for 
his own flocks to be looking at discolored flocks at the time when they come to give birth. Okay, Pasuk Mem Hey, sorry, Pasuk Mem Aleph. Vahaya, Bachol, Yachem, Hadson, Hamakusharot. And it was whenever the Mkusharot flock uh, got heated, the Sam Yaakov et Hamaklot, Yaakov would place the sticks, Le'ene Hadson, before the eyes of the flock, Barahatim, in the watering troughs, uh, the watering places, Le'yachmena, to heat them up with the sticks. Now, we understand, I hope now, enough of what's going on. Um, when the flocks were ready to conceive, he put the sticks there in order to encourage them to conceive um, discolored offspring. What we don't know is the word hamakusharot. That's a new word. And Rashi only, sorry, Yaakov only did this with the sticks when it was the makusharot that were coming to be ready to, give, to conceive. Uh, and we'll see in the next Pasuk, the other type of sheep, he didn't put the sticks there. The next Pasuk talks about the Ha'atif. And we don't know what Makusharot are, and we don't know what Ha'atif are. And Rashi is going to explain those two words. And um, by the way, you'll often see them translated as Makusharot, strong, or Ba'atif, weak, or feeble. And the idea is Yaakov wants more sheep, which are Makusharot. So he encourages the Makusharot to give birth two discolored sheep, which will be Mukusharot like them. And when it comes to the Ha'atif, he doesn't want the offspring of the Atif to be his. He wants that to be Laban, so he doesn't put the sticks there when the Atif are coming to conceive. But what are the Mukusharot and what are the Atif? Says Rashi, HaMukusharot, Katargumo HaBakirot. The Targum translates it as Bakir. What is Bakir? Like Bakhor. Bakhor is the firstborn. And says Rashi, um, and you can see this from particularly the, the contrast with the Atif in the next Pasuk, it means they give birth early. So it does mean strong. It does mean strong, fertile, quick to give birth. But the particular um, indicator is not general strength, but is um, speed of fertility, if you like. Speed of, of fertility. And that's what Makusharot means. Uh, he uses the Targum as he often does, as his like go-to place. If you don't know what the word means, the Targum says Bakirot and says Rashi ve'ain li aid b'mikra. It's a phrase that Rashi uses from time to time. I have no witness in the Tanakh. In other words, I can't prove it from anywhere else, but that's what this word means. So I'm giving you the Targum, but I'm also going to offer you another translation, if you like, from Menachem. So Menachem was one of the scholars who produced a choveret, we would say, of Hebrew words, um, arranged sort of um, by Sharashim. Menachem Hebrew im achitofel bakosharim. He joins it, or like, like he lists it in his book, our word, mukusharot, um, with the pasuk in Shmuel Bet, Perek Tetvav, pasuk Lamad Aleph, which talks about the <coughs> rebellion of Avshalom against David and says Achitofel was Bakasharim amongst the conspirators. Now, the root obviously is Kesha. Um, <coughs> how is Kesha conspirators? Because conspirators are bound together and they are tightly and strongly bound together. So that's the connection between strength and the word Kesha. So <coughs> Rashi gives you two alternatives basically go the root of the Targum, and it means quick to give birth, go the root of Menachem, who says the, root, the word Bakasharim in relation to the conspirators on the, uh, supporting Avshalom, they were tightly and strongly bound together. Uh, and he gives another example from the same chapter from Pasuk Yudbet, Vayihi HaKesher Amitz, the, how do you translate Kesher? The conspiracy was strong. So two, two alternatives, meaning pretty much the same thing. They're the good sheep. They're the sheep um, that Yaakov wants, and he wants their offspring. So, says Rashi, sorry, so to conclude Rashi's comment on the, what the word means, Otam hamit kashrot yachad lemaher iburam. Sort of joining the two ideas together. Rashi, oh, the Targum's idea and Menachem's idea. Makusharot are those that 
join together to speed up their pregnancy. Um, or they are, they are strong together to speed up their pregnancy. Um, I think what he's doing is linking the idea of strength with the idea of speedy conception. Yes. Do you think, as you've just explained, the Rashi understands it as the two meanings together, or is not think, quite satisfied with by the definition? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I, I, I didn't see um, somebody saying why there's a deficiency in one explanation by the other. Um, doesn't mean nobody says it. I didn't see it. Um, but I, I think this might be slightly different. Uh, and the key point is, only aid Bermikra. I have no other witness in the text. I can't prove it. So all I can do is give you good suggestions. And I think it, it fits my understanding that he gives you a suggestion of a Targum, he gives you a suggestion of Menachem, and he says they're basically the same thing. That they, the last words is he unites the two ideas. They are, they are strong together to give birth quickly. Um, so those are the ones that when the Makusharot were on heat and ready to conceive, he stuck the sticks there. So their offspring, which would be strong like their parents, like their mothers, would be uh, spotted, etc. And therefore they would go to Yaakov. Pasuk Membet, Ubaha'atif Hadson, but regarding the other type of the flock, Lo Yasim, um, he did not put, I, he didn't put the sticks there. Um, so it turns out that the offspring of the Kashurim were, which was the ones that Yaakov wanted, because he arranged it, would be um, spotted, etc. So they would go to Yaakov and the Atifim, he would make sure when they conceived, there were no sticks there. So they conceived and they gave birth to pure white sheep, which belonged to Lavan. So the result is the Hayaha Atufim. The, well, let's just translate it as weak for the moment. Rashi will give a, another explanation or another translation. The weak ones go to Lavan, the Hakashurim, and the strong, quick to give birth ones go to Yaakov. So clever arrangement that Yaakov's ended up with the better sheep. What is Ha'atif? Says Rashi, Loshon Ichur. It's an expression of being late. In other words, it's the opposite of how he understood the Makasharot. The Makasharot were giving birth early, and the Atif are the ones who give birth late. And the Targum, which he says, you can look at the Targum, Targum of Uba Lakishut, which means late. How do we know Lakishut means late? What's a word that we say frequently? Malkush. We say it frequently in the Shema. Yoreh or Malkush, the former rain and the later rain. The Malkush is the rain that comes second, and the root is Lamad Kufshin. So the Aramaic translation of Ha'atif is Balakishut, which Rashi says is the opposite of the of Bakirot, which was the translation of Makosharot. Um, so these are the ones that give birth late. By the way, it just occurs to me, if you're a shepherd and you want lots and lots of flocks, you want them to give birth quickly. You want, because then they can start the next generation, the next generation. So you're going to get more generations. And also, um, it seems that giving birth quickly is an expression of strength, and giving birth late is an expression of weakness. Again, just like he did in the previous verse in Mem Aleph, Rashi does the same thing, and perhaps for the same reason. He brings what the Targum says, and now he brings what Menachem says about this word. Well, Menachem Hibro im hamachalatsot v'hamaatafot. A posuk in Yeshaya, Peregimol posuk, Kaf Bet um, talks about various adornments of which are then going to be removed as a punishment. So machalatzot is aprons. Maybe that's a maybe there's a better word for it, but uh, that's a translation I saw. For ma'atafot, what's ma'atafot? So if you look in a, a Tanakh with a translation, it will say mantles. What does it mean? Um, it says Rashi loshen atifat kasut. What is an atafa in Hebrew? An envelope because it covers you up. So atafa is something that covers you up. Loshan atifat kasut, an expression of sort of on enveloping covering. Now, by the way, uh, I should say at this point before we get to the punchline, um, in this case, what Menachem says is, oh, maybe it is the same as what the Targum says. Sorry, well, let's see what Menachem says. Kulamar. So, okay, so he says the word in our pasuk. 
uh, Ha'atif is related to Ma'atafot in Yeshaya. Ma'atafot in Yeshaya means something that covers you up. So says Rashi, how, what's the connection? What's the idea? Kulama mit'atfot ba'oran b'tzamaran. It's the sheep that were covered up or enveloped, if you like, in their skin and their wool. And they don't desire to be warmed up by the males. So these are sheep which are covered in wool, are ready, are warm up, are already warm, and they don't feel they need, they don't need a man in their life, if I may say. They don't need the males to get involved because that's the, they've got their own internal source of heat. So there is a connection, although it's a little bit more obscure. They don't like giving birth, basically. They're not inclined to conceive and give birth. Rashi says, the Targum says, they just give birth late. Menachem says, if you look at the, uh, like the, the real hidden meaning of the word, being covered in something, because they're covered in their skin and their wool, they don't need, uh, they don't feel the need to mate with the males, and therefore they don't conceive, and therefore they don't give birth. So uh, either way, we can draw a connection. These ha'atif are the ones that are not good at giving birth. They're slow at giving birth. And therefore, they're not useful as property, and therefore it's good for Yaakov, but they end up as Lavan's um, share, and he gets the Makushrot, which is the better share. Okay, there's one more passage to go just to finish this story, which doesn't actually talk very much about sheep, and, and uh, funny systems of encouraging certain types of conception. Um, so that will like, be a little bit easier to get through. Um, I did consciously go a bit faster than normal tonight because I think with these rushes and this story, the main thing we can do is just get through it. Um, and then next week we will carry on with uh, a bit more of the regular narrative and uh, how Yaakov begins to escape from, Yaakov, from Lavon's clutches. So it won't be next week. It'll be in two weeks' time. There's no share next week. But in Hashem, we will carry on the story in two weeks' time. Thank you very much. Yeah. Thanks, Rose.